You're listening to the Ultimate Road Trip Podcast. It's been just over a year since the first reports of an unknown virus came out of Wuhan, China, and it's still barely believable how all our lives have been turned upside down by the pandemic. As well as lives, every business has obviously been affected, with the hospitality industry being hit particularly hard. On March the 20th, all pubs and restaurants were told to close, and four days later the first full national lockdown came into force, halting events across the country. As this was all happening, one of the UK's most celebrated and popular chefs was on a crusade to raise awareness of the hardship that many pubs had already been facing. As the man behind Britain's only two-star Michelin pub, Tom Kerridge had put his considerable experience and skills into use to try to raise four very different establishments out of their economic doldrums. And not only that, he was filming it all for the BBC. Halfway through recording this series, COVID-19 hit, and his story took on a whole new resonance with the entire pub and restaurant industry, and not just the four businesses he was helping, being plunged into a perilous situation, which we'll hear more about during the interview. I'm delighted that Tom has found time to talk cars, travel and music for this week's edition of the Ultimate Road Trip podcast. And as you're about to hear, he's quite a petrol head. But of course, we also talked about the roller coaster of year which he's been through, both the difficulties faced by the hospitality industry as a whole, but also his own businesses. It was fascinating to hear how he's adapted his business model as the restrictions have ebbed and flowed over the past few months. Tom and his wife Beth took over the Ailing Hand and Flowers pub in Marlow 15 years ago in 2005 and after winning his first Michelin star in 06, today it's the only pub in the UK to hold two stars. He runs two other pubs in the Buckinghamshire town including the Butcher's Tap which during the day doubles as a traditional butcher and he has restaurants in hotels in London and Manchester. He's established popular events across the country, including Pub in the Park. And of course, Tom's considerable talent has been put to good use on a huge variety of food programmes on television over the past decade, which has raised his profile to such an extent that he's now one of the best known chefs in the country. He's won plenty of awards, garners tremendous respect from his peers in the culinary world and as well as the general public, and he's raised lots of money for charity. And with the recent Saving Britain's Pub series airing on the BBC, as well as his appearances on programmes including Question Time last week, Tom has in a way become the go-to spokesperson for the UK pub and restaurant industry, which has faced the most difficult chapter in its history. As a big fan of myself, I was so grateful he found time for the podcast and uh, he was really great to chat to. Relaxed and friendly, passionate about cars, travel and music as well as food, obviously. So the perfect ultimate road trip guest then? Yep, pretty much. And it's absolutely wonderful to say that I'm now joined by Tom Kerridge live from his home in Marlow. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for your time today. I know it's been a really busy week. But thank you for joining me on the Ultimate Road Trip podcast. As I say, a busy week because 15 years since the Hand and Flowers, since you started the Hand and Flowers in Marlow, and I think uh, you've just brought out the book as well to celebrate, to coincide with a celebration of that 15 years. How's that been? Yeah, it's been yeah, it's 15 years celebration, and it's been. I mean, you you hope for the 15th birthday being something quite special. It's quite a long, you know, it's a long period of time for any business to kind of be operating, let alone a restaurant. So, we were hoping for a super exciting, amazing year, and it's turned out to be like a stroppy teenage year where everything's going horribly wrong, and it's kind of <laughs> slamming the door behind us, telling us to, you know, go away. You're, you know, I hate you, kind of year. But, you know, the book is still. Um, 
it's been in that process of being made for a number of years. So it's, it was actually the first book that we signed to do. And then things kind of changed and television came along and bits and bobs. So it kind of got shelved. So it was uh, eight books later, it's actually made and it's, it made its appearance, but that's made it, um, it's a ri much richer book for that yeah. point of view. It's more reflective. It looks at the journey, talks about the people and, you know, it, it, and how the pub has grown from, I suppose, well, nothing 15 years ago to being, you know, a pub with two Michelin stars. So, yeah, so it's lovely to have the book finally out. And especially to bring it out on a year like it's been. I mean, we'll come back to lockdown and how you've been approaching it. We'll touch upon that. Um, let's dive straight into, first of all, the first question. What would be your car you take on the ultimate road trip? Because I know, looking at your social media, you, you, you quite like, your cars and you like your formula one as well i just spotted just before this morning your little boy ac is it in lewis hamilton's yeah. mercedes last year so going back to you your ultimate road trip what would be your car make model and color to take on the trip? yeah they, i mean i do I'm, I'm you know i do i love i love cars i've always loved cars and you know and, and you're right you you mentioned my little man like he's he's now he'll be five um just before christmas and you know, he learned counting and learned all of his colours from Formula One. Like he was watching that before Peppa Pig. Like, and that's <laughs> that's not forced on him. That's not. It was just on. He would sit there obsessively watching the cars go round and round and round, and he learned counting. He, you know, we got to the point where he he can pronounce Max Verstappen, but he couldn't say yellow properly. I mean, that's it brilliant. was just like. <laughs> um, and, and so, so yeah, we're 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 both quite um we're we it's we're both quite into the cars. We love it very much. So my ultimate. The, the car that I'd love um, and one that I, I, I would desperately love is a Ferrari 355 and it's the GTS version of it and it's got to be red and it's yeah. got to have the, the cream interior. So it's got to have the cream leather interior. It's got to be the Rosso red and it's got to be the GTS version, you know, the Targa top one, yes. not, not the spider. I think, although the spider is lovely, uh, but yeah, it's, it's the... Just to keep that like, shape, I, the silhouette stays with it. Yeah, yeah. I know. Exactly. And also because, you know, it will be a, a soft top that's been made by a, an Italian car company that sometimes has a, a little bit, you know, dubious build um, practices regarding uh, canvas roofs that in this country, I'm not, you know, I'm fairly certain there might be a leak problem with it with a car that's over 20 years old. So, so I think it would probably be, yeah, I, I, I want the hard top that fits properly. Yeah, but you, so you like your classics. I mean, why, why, why that particular Ferrari? Because of course, you know, there's some beautiful models being made now. There's some classics, you know, the Dinos from the, the earlier ones from the 70s and 60s. But the 355 is, uh, is one of those shapes. But do you remember it from when you were younger or? Yeah, that's exactly it. No, I mean, no, no, I mean, I've been very fortunate. I've, you know, I've been quite lucky to drive Ferraris on, you know, I've had them for a, a, a couple of weekends and time and track days and things like that. And you're right, there's some amazing, amazing motor vehicles out now that, that, that are just stunning to drive brilliant, you know, like absolute weapons on a track, like really quite frighteningly quick. Um, but this one isn't, and I'm not really into classic cars. This is just one that is one that I would, it, it came out in mid nineties, around what, 95, 96, yeah. yeah. so, and so that's at a point where I was about 22, 23 years old and, and I could, you know, driving um, is something that I loved doing, you know, it, it, it's something that um, 
So you recognize, I, I love being in a car behind the wheel. So it's not like being seven or eight years old, just looking at, you know, yeah. boyhood. Like, but this is the actual, the reality of going, okay, so right now I'm driving, what was I driving when I was 22? So probably like a Citroen AX GT, right? <laughs> That's absolutely. James, yeah, May, James May's favorite, if I remember. Yeah, absolutely loved the Citroen AX GT. It was just like, I think it was like a 1.3 litre engine, but it was really- So light. Like, yeah, so light, so sporty, really fun to drive. Not not super hard on insurance because, you know, it was yeah. only the 1.3 there. So, but I, I enjoyed the driving process of it. So from that point, you, you could go, wow, it would be amazing to drive a Ferrari. And at that point, the, the 355 came out. And I just remember thinking it was just an absolutely beautiful looking car. And like, it's absolutely so. It looks very good in the yellow as well. It's one of the one Ferraris, I think, that's really super yeah. yellow. Giallo Fly, I think, Ferrari call it. Or, or Gaio or something. Probably my Italian's not very good. But yeah, no, you're right. Any Ferrari that's in the unusual colour combo. It's, JK had a LaFerrari of Jamiro. JK of Jamiro had a LaFerrari yeah. in green. I always remember seeing yeah. that at Goodwood one year. So yeah, I think yeah. unusual colours. But yeah. you know, if it's not going to be red, then yeah, something, something out there. Absolutely. But yeah, so that, that would be the motor. And it's not because, it, yeah, it's because... I could have, I imagined driving it and it yeah. has to be manual as well. I, it yeah. would, I, I want it manual. I don't want, because it did come with the F1 box or, it, you know, but from my point of view, I You want the I gate, the Ferrari, it. the Ferrari clack clack gate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 it, that has to be, it has to be a given. Brilliant. Um, and we'll come on to question three. What's the destination? But we'll quickly touch upon your trips so i've seen you and you you did an amazing journey across the states you know i think it was a mustang was, was it, it was, was yeah it was. mustang um so you you've done a fair few trips i saw you going, going out of london in a few different cars for a special promo you did online i've seen yeah that was for um, the gq car um gq um, car was that's it yeah which was i tell you what we went out in the the little uh, like the renault alpine like and what yep. an amazing what a beautiful brilliant little motor that is i tell you what you know it was a I'm quite lucky. I've got, I mean, I've got a 911 and, a, and I love it. And it's an, a brilliant car, like beautifully put together. It's amazing. It is kind of like goes like a go-kart, but yeah. you know, if you, if you didn't want to, if you didn't want to spend the ridiculous money that Porsche <laughs> costs, <laughs> you know, what, what a brilliant fun car that was. I mean, I absolutely fine, yeah. It. yeah, it was amazing. But so yeah, I, had the, I did the road trip across the States, which was fantastic for, that was for a program for food network. Um, looking at food, um, not the, not just the normal kind of Chicago, New York style space, but every, like really all over the States. And we were in a, um, yeah, convertible, um, Mustang, which was, um, it was the new one. So it was, I don't know. It, 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 it didn't really, no, it did it, it for me. It did, there wasn't, there wasn't that emotional attachment to the car. It, and it, it hadn't quite got, when you drive it, it didn't quite have the feeling. It felt like a little bit like driving a, Ford Mondeo from the year 2000 it wasn't <laughs> there wasn't a connection between no. driver the car and the road no. although it did look pretty cool for the camera they do look good yeah so you're the destination for your Ferrari 355 GTS uh, I would take it back to Modena I would drive back so most people nice. buy a Ferrari from, from from Modena and then drive it back to the UK I would drive it back um, to Modena for a, with a for a, a booking for a little trip around the Enzo Ferrari Museum, um, but also go to a restaurant called Ossetera Francescana, which is um, 
owned by an incredible chef called Massimo Batoro, who's, who's got three Michelin stars, and he was, uh, he was named a couple of years ago as the, uh, the best restaurant in the world. Right. And, I mean, it's, so it's this, you know, this kind of beautiful back street, three Michelin star, amazing restaurant in Modena, you know. Wow. So, so uh, somewhere amazing to go to eat, to go to the, you know, the Enzo Ferrari Museum, to go and see, to go and see the Ferrari factory and take and drive the 355 back across Italy would be something... That would be a special couple of days, that. That sounds great. Nick Mason of Pink Floyd, I asked him about his ultimate road trip. He, he did a journey uh, of the racetracks and then went back to Bray, to Mr. Blumenthal's uh, uh, restaurant factor. That's where he was going to end up. Because I was going to say, nowadays, you, you know, if you want to go to a restaurant or a hotel or a bar or a pub, obviously, you know, we're restricted, aren't we, in where we can go at the moment, especially in lockdown. Um, during the summer, you put on some fabulous events. You did the drive and dine. Yeah, that's exactly it. We've got this, um, we run a festival called Pub in the Park, which is, yeah. you know, we do eight of them pretty much every year. And they're, they're brilliant, kind of like food festivals where chefs cook food and you can buy the dishes for a fiver. And then, you know, there's kind of like a shopping area where producers and suppliers are, are kind of showcasing what they do. And then there's cookery demos. And then it finishes in the evenings with uh, live music whether it's Kaiser Chiefs or Top Loader or um, you know this year we had Craig David booked in and it was all going to be obviously amazing then like everything else it gets the rug gets pulled from underneath you so we wanted to try and work out is there something else we could do so we kind of did the same sort of thing um, but as a driving style so you actually drive in with your car Brilliant. and we kind of deliver some food to you that so you don't quite get to see um there's not like a shopping mall with producers and suppliers or cookery demos but it's kind of like a drive-in and then you have um uh we have the kaiser cheese plane which was Great. absolutely yeah, yeah. brilliant so so yeah we we kind of we, we we tried to make something work this year which you know that drive-in process has gone it seems to have gone down very well because people have been still been desperate to get out and do stuff of course of but course. it's also been really nice that they've felt that they're safe enough in their own bubble of their own car so it was trying to it, it ticked all the boxes it was it was a good thing to do during the summer it kept us busy absolutely which is which is a trick obviously um on to question four then who are you taking who's the passenger for this trip to Modena and then the... so i did you know in my head i i mean this is the big problem with ferraris and um three five fives or you know it's only two seats you know yes. that, that is the problem there's no back seat and you go okay this is this is where it becomes an issue and you, you this is this is where the the um this is why i you know i ended up with a lovely 911 because I'm, it's got you can squeeze a child in the back so my young man can get in the night as well so in an ideal world in i i'd want like an a trailer on the back to bring someone <laughs> But well, I mean, what about I a Panamera? Love... You, isn't, when you, aren't you driving a Panamera in the, uh, in the Saving Britain's pubs show? I am, yeah. I love the Panamera. I had that for a while and then I, I, I got rid of it. And, um, and I, So the, the 911 goes away for the winter and I'm very right, lucky okay. that it, I, I got... The Panamera is normally out, but I, I've sold that and I, 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 I kind of... I say downgraded, but what I've done... I've, I've changed it for an Audi RS6 um, and it's... it's very a, nice, yeah. It's, so it's a an older one but it's been um it's been uh, it's been played about with a little so it's, it's about 760 brake horsepower Good and Lord. It's, uh, yeah and it's it is so i sold the panamera and bought this audi rs and it's the the loudest it's the most unsubtle it's the the most ridiculous as they thing should be the rs6 should yeah, be like that yeah yeah <laughs> but i absolutely 
love it. Every time you get in it, you press the start button and it shouts at you. It's like really angry. And is that, but it is such good fun. So, so yeah, that would be great um, as a motor for a long kind of journey with the family. That's, yeah. that's the practical car to put the dogs and the little man in. But I would have to take my wife. I'd, I, it'd be um, one of those amazing experiences that, you know, we've been married 20 years and we, we've had loads of like, brilliant experience life experiences and you know when you've been married a long time and been with someone a long time you know you have ups and you have downs and you have um like life journeys and this would be another one of those brilliant journeys and my wife she's an artist she's a sculptor she works in um bronze and marble so she carves oh. in marble so yeah so she, when she does that she um she goes out to Carrera in Italy um and she works in a quarry in in Carrera in Italy so we probably have to go via Carrera through Tuscany um so we'd have to make we'd have to make a full Italian trip of, of it so yeah I don't think Beth would ever forgive me if I went to Italy driving around in a Ferrari sports car and not took her she turned <laughs> up at the, the best restaurants in the world yeah yeah exactly at the, yeah. At the yeah, that's the other point that is the other point. My little man's only five. Like, I think we'll probably get about 20 minutes into one of the best restaurants in the world. And we go, are there any chips? And can I have my iPad? So it would probably ruin the whole thing. I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to take that. Most people give their partner as a passenger. As long as they, they, they always say, as long as they don't mind me driving too quickly. And they're a good map reader. If we don't, if it's an old car without sat nav, then, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that is a point. I tell you what, sat nav has saved many a marriage, I reckon, because oh, I remember the days of I remember the days of Matt reading and uh, yes. oh my god, yeah. So, so even if it hasn't got sat nav, we'd have to we'd have to use Google Maps and we'll be fine. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, question five then, one tune. If there is a track now, or your all-time favourite track. Yeah, I mean, well, it sums up the era of that age of where the car comes from, that time, and, uh, and it is, so I'm a huge Oasis fan, and, and Liam Gallagher, I, I think, is like one of the great philosophers of our time, and, and, yeah. and he, he meant so much to so many, and that band means so much to um, kind of uh, guys um, like my age in kitchens that were, there was something quite reflective, something quite anti-establishment, something that was quite working class council estate kids that have done very very well that suddenly reflected this um just this kind of energy that was bouncing around in the mid to late 90s was you know yeah. really really exciting and liam's voice i think is one of those voices that i mean it's such an iconic voice of the 90s you couldn't it, it, you couldn't mistake it for anything else so it would be a, a, probably i would say any oasis track that comes along that from that point but probably Sh champagne supernova i think would be there's quite a flow to it it goes on for quite a long time it'd be a nice thing to, you could imagine driving to the italian countryside while champagne supernovas um being played very very loudly with me yes. singing so yes. i think i think i think that would be the track Brilliant. I couldn't have picked anything better. I mean, I'm a big Oasis fan myself. I'm trying to get uh, Noel on, but apparently he doesn't drive. So <laughs> it might be. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know about, Li I don't think Liam does either. Um, no. But because uh, I can imagine getting as a chef, I've, I've, I've seen the interior of, a, of a, the pressure cooker that is a professional kitchen. I'm sure you've done quite a few trips just on your own. You know, just get yeah. out and, and clear the head. And, and especially this year, I mean, you've managed to cope with lockdown incredibly well i mean obviously your this new series that i watched yesterday the first one of saving britain's pubs i mean you couldn't have imagined uh if we could briefly talk about this that you know when you're doing that pubs have had a shocking time of it as you said in the series since 2000 what we've lost a quarter of pubs and i think 300 yeah. this year 
up until the beginning of September, we lost 300. So I bet you couldn't have envisaged speaking to these landlords and landladies and then suddenly March arrives. And then it, did, you, did the whole ethos of the show change when, when that happened? Yeah, the idea was, like you say, the, the pubs, we, we hear about pubs closing all the time. And the idea was kind of like touch on four different types, four pubs and, and, and talk about the, the kind of individual issues that they all face. And they're all very, very different because every pub is very different. We can, yeah. you, you know, there's no blanket solution to every pub. You all, we, there's something very familiar about every pub. That's why we love them very much because there's a familiarity about them where no matter what part of the country you're in. But the actual realities of the different economic situations or the different um, uh, external challenges that are put on uh, pressure on the business we were trying to expose and show why pubs close because you hear about it and it, they you know it, there's so many different reasons cheaper supermarket alcohol um rising in the taxes huge yeah. rental increases you know problems minimum wage going up which means that you know they're all they're all things that uh, really do put pressure on the business and then I suppose one of the biggest things, you know, there's pubs that are tied, beer ties that are quite, yeah. can be quite archaic, that don't work. Um, there's all these, and so we were trying to talk about and showcase that. And then obviously right in the middle of it, coronavirus comes across. So it creates this, um, I suppose it makes it a very much more heartfelt documentary because it's not just about four pubs issues. It's about 47,000 pubs, yes. myself, my own included. So it suddenly becomes, yeah. So, so it becomes a, a little bit more, um, exposing and real and emotional it, drives, it takes you on this emotional um, drive so there's yeah the, there's a three one hours and it's it's an incredible and very interesting watch and reflection on pub society as i suppose we know it in great britain now yeah and, and you're doing your bit as well um you know you've you had your lockdown dinners 175,000 raised for your Mar no for your marlow meals rather uh, and then you're, yeah. doing, you're doing your lockdown dinners you've been really creative on keeping going through one of the worst years for the hospitality industry in living memory. Yeah, I think, well, I, listen, I think it's always a case if you're busy, if you're a busy person and your life is constant about um, drive and adaption and change and, and pushing business. And, you know, we, we've gone from, I've gone from being a chef in a pub to then owning, you know, we've got six businesses and there's 250 people involved across board that we need to, you need to be, um, creating moving kind of stirring the pot and getting things going and being active and being being proactive about attacking the situation if it, it and it doesn't matter if it's our business if you're in retail if you're you know you're doing podcasts it doesn't matter what you do you have to be proactive about getting out there because if you just sit back and go oh my god this is all awful then yeah. of course it is and yes it is awful and you're not going to be able to change that but you can change your mental attitude towards it so it's always been about being as um uh, as attacking the situations, be about being proactive as possible. So, so yeah, we've tried to be positive in every position and every opportunity that we see to be able to do it. That you know, hopefully, inspires staff and people around us to be, you know, uh, a bit, have a positive outlook to it. And then, if it reaches broader, broader audiences, that people think, okay, maybe we should be more positive about everything. Then it's you know, it, for that point of view, it's great. We're looking forward to beginning of next year coming out of this lockdown and yeah uh, it's going to be middle of next year till things are kind of slowly back on even keel but uh you must be looking forward to next year and, and just writing not writing this off because you've obviously done some fabulous things this year but getting back to normality next year uh, for the for yeah, I think, in Marlowe especially yeah hugely i think you know there's a lot of um there are some positives to take out of this year you know there's an attitude to 
to um, technology, for example, how that has affected people's lives and how we can use it in a much better way. It's not just for techies. It's actually, you know, people can utilize um, uh, technology a lot, a lot more. I think there's also um, the one thing with the hospitality industry, the biggest um, thing that we can gain from this, there's gonna be a huge amount of casualties. There's gonna be a lot of closures. There's gonna be a huge amount of redundancies and unemployment, um, but uh, and that has effects on the supply chain that you know has this awful ripple that goes through into producers, into farming, yeah. into manufacturing. But the, the reality of um, the one thing that we all recognize now is that human beings, we, we love, we love social interaction. It's not just us that want to get back to being open. It's yeah. everybody wants to get back to going to a restaurant, meeting their friends and giving them a hug when they walk through the door. You know, yeah. it's like, so hospitality will come back. People will want to go to football matches. People will want to go to, you know, events and stuff. So it, it will come back. It's just, um, it's just hanging on in there till it does. So yeah, so we can't wait until, yeah, like you say, probably the middle part of next year when things feel a little more settled a lot more settled yeah yeah fingers crossed well tom courage thank you it's been just wonderful to have you on the podcast uh, for the ultimate road trip we've obviously talked a bit about lockdown and how it's been this year and, and your and how you've coped and your business has coped so all the very best uh, looking forward to the rest of the series as well saving britain's pubs and really look forward to seeing you more of you next year as well it's yeah. a pleasure thanks for having us on cheers chief Special people change How many lives are living strange Where were you while we were getting high Slowly walking down the hall Faster than a cannonball Where were you while we were getting high Someday you will find me Champagne soup and